Uh, I am so glad that you are all here uh, with us tonight. I'm really, really thankful that you chose to spend your Tuesday evening here. Uh, I really hope that y'all had a good day today and are uh, nice and stuffed and full with pizza now uh, that's provided. Uh, and I have a question for you. How many of you want to make the most of your life? All right, how many? All right, it's kind of a silly question, right? Like, who doesn't want to make the most of their life? Uh, so tonight, I want to have two quick things that the Bible uh, says. And I have, a, I have a bold prediction here. I have a bold guarantee, actually, is that these two things will help you make the best use of your life. If you will do these two things, you will make the best use of your life. Uh, but first, can you join me in praying? Dear Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us all here this evening. I don't think it's by accident uh, whether, uh, you know, we were brought here because of the promise of free pizza or uh, just because we didn't have anything better to do. Whatever the reason, uh, I don't think it was actually by accident. I think you brought all of us here uh, to this room for a reason, and it was to, to hear from you and your word. I pray that you uh, would really let your word shine tonight. Uh, and help us all to learn more about how to make the best use of our life. I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing you want to do if you're going to make the best use of your life is to deepen healthy relationships. All right? That's that first point on your outline. If you haven't pulled it out yet, I'd encourage you to grab it. Uh, it was on your seat. First thing you got to do is deepen healthy relationships. One concern that I have for many of you is that when you look back on your college experience, you're going to regret having never developed deep, meaningful relationships. Uh, and honestly, so much of what goes on on our campus is really shallow and generally self-centered. That's just kind of the way of the world. That's the way we do things naturally. It's amazing how social our campus is and yet how many lonely students there are on campus at Chico State. A verse that we really love here at Challenge is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It's about sharing life. It's not just about Bible study. And I just want to tell you that that is what we're about here at Challenge. It's about sharing life with each other. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you need people in your corner. Whether you need them right now, today, or this week, or maybe in a future season of life, whatever it is, we were, we were made to have people in our corner and by our side through the good times and the bad. And one of the best ways to set yourself up for this is to get involved in a life group, which Brittany just told you about. So I'm doing an extra little plug for life groups here. Uh, if you were thinking about it, or even if you weren't, I would really encourage you to check those out on Thursday night, or if you're in a fraternity or sorority, check out Greek Legacy on Monday night. So let's check out this quick video. It's a story from a student whose life was really impacted in a legitimate way by deepening uh, her healthy relationships. college, I had kind of made the conscious decision of walking away from God and deciding that I wanted to live life on my own. 
and that's kind of what I thought life was about. It was about getting what I wanted and on my own timing. And a result of that was that I just experienced rejection, um, experienced lots of loneliness, and <clears throat> I definitely experienced tons of regret of the decisions that I made from not following God or um, listening to His Word. Um, <clears throat> and I think that there's a lot of pain that you experience as a result of not listening to God or choosing to consciously not follow Christ. After I had experienced my walking away from Christ, I had kind of felt broken and completely shattered, and I knew that I needed to get back to Jesus, and I wasn't really sure how I was going to do that. I wasn't sure if He was going to accept me again, um, and I was really blessed to meet someone who ended up being my roommate who was walking um, actively with Christ, and just watching her life, I knew that I could do it again and that Christ would accept me and she invited me to life group was the first event that I'd gone to and just being in that room um, Christ really spoke to me and saying that um, he would accept me again and that was the first time I had realized I can belong to Jesus again and that I can have a relationship with him. I think that the biggest difference that having Christ in my life and being a part of challenge has made is um, acceptance. I think that um, for as funny as this sounds, I will stand in the room at challenge, look around and think I am so blessed to be here. And I am thankful for every single person in this room because they have just contributed to me feeling like I belong to Jesus and this is what it feels like to belong and to have support and to just have friendship that is based on the fact that we all are um, trying our best to center our lives up around Jesus and um, His Word. Challenge has made a huge difference and impact in my life. Um, I think that there's so much support and there's so many people that I can look around and know that they care about me and they want um, my best interest and they want me to understand and to follow Christ. I think the person that's made the biggest impact on me is definitely Amy. Um, she is someone who is willing to take time to um, help me learn more about what it is like to be a follower of Christ and um, what it's like to really understand what Jesus wants for my life and that has made the world of difference and I can attribute so much um, of my relationship with Christ to Amy and she has just been a complete blessing to my life. My name's Jen and this is my story. So what really uh, stood out to me probably the most from that video was something that Jen said. She said that the acceptance and love that she found in those real relationships really helped her grow in her relationship with God. And that's a really significant thing to me because that's the same exact thing that I've experienced in my life as well. I've experienced it on both sides where uh, other people's love for and acceptance of me and where I was at and the things I was struggling in at different points, uh, that really helped me see, how, see accurately how God loved me and, and wanted to, to come along my side right where I was at that moment. And then on the flip, and that was a real blessing, and then on the flip side, getting to do that for other people is an incredible blessing in life that I really, really hope that all of you here get to experience at some point if you've not yet experienced it. Getting to see God use you in someone's life in that way to love them and, and to share his love with them. Uh, there's literally 
nothing like it. Being a follower of Christ on your own does not work. It just doesn't work. We need each other. We were designed to be in community and to support one another. So don't miss out on legitimately, I think, the best part of college. I really hope that you won't miss out on this. Deepening Christ-centered friendships is the best thing you can do. And if you don't, like I said, it's a bummer because you're going to miss out on both sides. There's really two significant blessings, like good things in life you're going to miss out on that. is experiencing uh, the love from others and then turning around and getting to share that love uh, with people as well. My best memories in college were with my friends in Challenge. Uh, we honestly walked through life together. We prayed together. Uh, we talked about how we wanted to follow God more closely in our lives and how we were going to try to do that. Uh, we did crazy things like cliff jumping, took like, just like day-long trips to Santa Cruz to surf, and then we we're having like, you know, like, like spray water on each other, keep each other awake on the drive home. So tired. Uh, you know, playing football in the pouring rain. That's probably one of my favorite memories. I love doing that. Uh, and then like, you know, crying together and stuff or like, uh, like arm wrestling, arm wrestling each other. And I'd beat them so bad they'd start crying, you know, like that's what I mean to clarify, like nothing mushy, just, I just clobber them, you know, they'd be, uh, uh, but no, like really do, like really having real relationships with people is, was the best part of my college experience. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This verse made a world of difference when God really convicted me that I needed to be living it out in my life. And I, I pray that all of, all of us in this room would seriously consider how we could more closely live this out in our own lives. So the second thing that is, going to, that is going to help you make the most of your life is to decide on your priorities. All right? Decide. So that's in your hand out there. Decide on your priorities. This will make or break your college experience. I've seen it over and over again. All right? Mr. or Mrs. High School President gets onto campus and they just start signing up for everything. Like every booth they walk by, they're like, yep, gonna do that. Yep, gonna do that. Yep, gonna do that. Yep, I'll do that volunteer. Yep, I'll take that job. I'll do, you know, just saying yes to everything. And it does not take very long for them to not be successful in anything, okay? Because when everything is important, nothing is important. Here's the key truth, is that people make time for what's important to them. That is, that is a key truth in life. People make time for what's important to them. I've tried really hard to stop saying, I don't have time for that, or I don't have time to do that, because that's not the truth. The truth is I have time for whatever I want to do, but it's just a matter of how I want to spend that time. If I hadn't binge watched, you know, a show on Saturday, I, I, that was a very high value, obviously, because I invested, you know, 12 hours in it. Uh, uh, I, I would have gotten my homework done and then I would have had more time to do other things. It's just a matter of my priorities of how I'm choosing to spend my time. A famous campus minister named Max Barnett said this, show me someone's schedule and I will tell you what is important to them. I love that. It's one thing to say something is important. 
it is an entirely different thing to live it. A lot of people will say one thing is important to them, but if you were to follow them around for a week, you would not see that evident in their life whatsoever. In that case, I would ask, was it actually important to them just because they said it was? No, it's not. It's clearly not, or else they would have made time for it. What is important should always take priority over what is urgent. That's another fill in the blank there. What is important should always take priority over what is urgent. And I'll, I'll explain this. Uh, the urgent, some, you know, that project that's due next week, it's work, it's your friends are hanging out or you really want to not miss out on you know, whatever they're doing, often trumps the important. Things like growing your relationship with God, developing deep, meaningful relationships with people, doing things that will actually make a difference with your life. Things that 30, 40 years from now, you're gonna look back on and say, I am so thankful. That's how I chose to spend my time. I invested, I made that a priority in my schedule. Every year there are a lot of students who come into college who start out wanting to grow in their relationship with God. But then there's this verse that describes exactly what happens to them. And this really hits me really close because I remember just last year, maybe the year before, I was, I was meeting uh, with a guy and I showed him this verse that I'm about to tell you. And, this, and, I, and, I, and I told him, this happens every year I see people. They're like, yes, I'm, I really want to grow in my relationship with God. Uh, this is important to me. Uh, I, I've kind of wavered in the past, or maybe this is a new thing to me, but I really want to try to make this a priority now. And uh, this guy I was meeting with, he said, oh, totally. I, I, I get it. That, that makes 100% sense to me that some people would do that. But, but I'm not that. I'm not that guy. Like, I'm, I actually want this. You know, like, look at me. I'm, I'm here talking to you about this. I, you know, I went to challenge on Tuesday. This is, that's not going to be me. And two months later, I never saw him again. Still haven't. He just peaced out. And the reason why is this verse describes exactly what happened to him. It's Mark 4.19. It says, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is one of the saddest verses to me in the entire Bible because I've seen it played out over and over and over again. And it's not the obvious sins that draw people away. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm not worried that most of you are going to go become drug dealers, okay? Like, that might be something you're legitimately tempted with, but I'm not worried about that for the majority of people, okay? It's the subtle sins that are going to pull you away. It's these other things the distractions that come in and just one at a time start picking out these things that God says are supposed to be important in your life. And one at a time, they just start you know, jumping that priority scale and edging them out of your life until pretty soon this verse as a description of your life. I challenge you to not let that happen. Don't let other things jump over the priority that God should be in your life. So how do you avoid it? Right? Like if you don't want this to happen, if you really legitimately are sitting here thinking, no, I don't, want, I don't want to do that. How do you avoid it? How do you avoid letting these other things come in and distract your pursuit of Christ? 
you decide to put things that will help you grow in Christ into your schedule now. And it's not that spiritual sounding, I understand, like I'm talking about scheduling here, uh, but like I just mentioned, if you look at someone's schedule, you'll see what's actually important to them. If you'll decide to put things into your schedule that will help you grow in your relationship with Christ, that will help you from having the other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. I know a lot of people who block out a challenge on Tuesday nights in their schedule, just preemptively, like for the whole school year. So that way it's not Tuesday afternoon and they're, they're evaluating their schoolwork saying, well, got that quiz tomorrow, you know, binge watch that show on Saturday. So now I, I guess I missed challenge tonight so I can study now for that, for that quiz tomorrow. I'm like, they don't, they don't do that. It's just blacked out on their schedule. Like it's work or something like that. Like hopefully this doesn't feel like work, all right? Uh, but <laughs> like in your schedule, like that's the priority it takes place as. They say, no, uh, I'm, I'm just gonna go. And I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier living that way actually, because that way, every time Tuesday rolls around, you're not evaluating and trying to make the decision each and every week. That's exhausting. That's an exhausting way to live life, trying to evaluate that every week. Just block it out preemptively uh, every week. Uh, uh, they even like, for myself, uh, working a job and being in school and, and being involved in challenge and, and wanting, you know, wanting to invest in growing my relationship with Christ, uh, I would, when I was applying for work, I would tell, show them my school schedule and I would say, I also cannot work Tuesday or Thursday evenings. And then when they, after they hire me, they would inevitably end up scheduling me for a Tuesday or Thursday evening, like almost like without fail. And I would say, hey, I, I, I told you, you know, in the in interview, I'm not available those hours, so I can't make that shift. Uh, and that, ha- that really has happened to people. And those people have not had the word choked out of their life by other things. It's a very tangible putting God before other things. God wants to be first in your life. That's just the truth about it, right? God wants to be first in your life. We were just singing songs about God. You know, your praise will ever be on my lips. That's such an awesome, awesome song. I love it. And so I, my challenge to you is, is uh, to praise God with the way you keep your schedule and your priorities. Matthew 6.33 says like this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This verse is a deal breaker for me. Jesus promises if we put him first, he will take care of everything else. That is like, that is a final word in my life. I've been striving to live this out for over 10 years now in my life. Uh, You know, I'm not perfect, but I've been really striving to live this out for over 10 years now. And I can tell you with 100% honesty, it has not once failed me. Not once have I prioritized God over something else in my life and regretted it in over 10 years. I don't know if there's hardly any other decision I've made over 10 years that has been <laughs> remained that consistent. Now you may be thinking, okay, Cody, that sounds cool, but how does putting God first make everything else fall into place? Like how does that, how does that look? I'm gonna share a quick analogy with you and I heard this um, once and it explained so perfectly what I've experienced in life that I thought it'd be, it'd be fun to share it with you. So imagine this, you're required to walk through a giant maze. I'm talking like 
huge maze, like Harry Potter status with the huge carnivorous shrubs. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? No, no one? Like Harry Potter 2, old for y'all? Come on. All right, does anybody know pop quiz? What movie or book, if you're, you're into that kind of a thing, uh, is that from? Just shout it out. Okay, so you guys have seen it. Why y'all, why y'all doing that to me? You guys know what I'm talking about. All right, Goblet of Fire, the huge maze, giant, can't see where you're going. It's all dark, crazy stuff's happening. All right, now imagine up above the maze, there's a man in a helicopter who can see the entire maze. Not only that, but he designed the entire maze. So he knows it like the back of his hand. He knows every single turn, every point of danger, every safe passage. He knows it all. Not only that, but he actually planted uh, a four-wheeler like behind one of those corners for you, all right, to help power you through the maze to the ends, okay? So he's got the hookup, right? He, he, he knows what's going down. He can actively see what's going on. He designed it. He's got all of that going on. And right now, he's calling your cell phone. If your task is to make it through the maze as quickly as possible, what would be the smartest thing to focus on in that moment? Trying to make it through the maze by yourself or answering the call that keeps on ringing with the man up in the chopper who's going to direct you to that four-wheeler and then guide you way through the maze? It would be crazy for you to start just hacking your way through the shrubs. That would be insanity to do that when you have this other option available. It is an option to do that, but that is not the best, that's not the best solution. You can just answer that phone and let him guide you. So how do we put Christ first? It's a really important question. How do we put Christ first? And I have a very significant and very simple answer. And the answer is one step at a time, right? Because we're all at different points in our lives here tonight. We're all in different points uh, in our journeys with God. Some of us are still a little unsure. Some of us are like, mm, that pizza was good. Uh, you know, and like, that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, you know, some of us are like, yes, like I love God. I really want to grow closer to him. So wherever you're at in your journey with God, the next thing that you can do is just that next step. That's it. That's what you need to focus on doing. It's all about taking one step after another, moving closer and closer to God as you do. Proverbs 4, 18 through 19 says this, but the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. It's like you're walking in a tunnel, okay? You, I, would, I would never walk into a tunnel, I don't think knowingly, because I'm pretty darn claustrophobic. But hypothetically, all right, I'm walking into a tunnel. And with each step, it's getting darker and darker and darker. And I can see the things, the rocks and the boulders and things less and less as I'm going. And every step I take, I'm getting, I have a less of a clear picture of what's going on. I'm getting further from the light. It doesn't matter how many steps I take. I can't say, ah, oh, well, I'm just going to gain more experience, and so it'll all become more clear soon. No, no, no. Every step I take, it's going to get more confusing and less clear. The interesting thing about, about walking into a tunnel is the second you turn around, 
then face the opening of the tunnel and you have a light shining in, everything becomes more clear. All of it. The whole path you've been walking, all those things you tripped over along the way that you hadn't seen, now you see clearly. And as you walk in this other direction, each one step you take, everything becomes more and more clear as you move. And that is what it's like in your relationship with God. Some of you might feel, you might have come here tonight feeling trapped in darkness. You have no idea where you're going in life. You might know your major and what you hope your job to be, but, it, but really, that's not the whole of your life. You don't really know where you're going in life. And I have fantastic news for you. Jesus wants to forgive you and he wants to lead you He wants to guide you on each and every single step for now and for the entire rest of your life. I'd like to watch another video, uh, and this uh, talks about what Jesus has done for us. You. Look at your eyes. Look at them. Speckled. Colorful each one unique, and I created every one of them. I created everything, the universe, and you. I gave you your personality. I made you pure, complex, and every day, I give you life. I love you something happened. You cheated on me. You didn't trust me. You sinned. You cut yourself off from me. And although you're still alive, you were slowly dying. So you looked for other things. To fill the void. But nothing works. It just kills you faster. And it separates us more and more. destroyed, but to know me, so I became one of you, a fragile creation. I was tempted, but I never sinned. I came to save you. You have so many sins, and they have a cost. Someone has to die. You or me, so I took on your sin, and traded in my life for yours, and I died in your place. 
of you. Then. Follow me. Putting Christ first does not mean you're going to become a monk and you're going to live in your room and do nothing but read the Bible and then God's going to deliver food to your door every day right? That's not what it looks like. Some people think that's what it looks like. Oh, if I, if I put Christ first in my life, if I really do, like I'm going to be like this weirdo, like this religious weirdo. And that I hope is not uh, how I am. It's not been my experience in life. And I know a lot of people, that is not what they're like, because that's not what it means to put Christ first. It does mean that you make knowing him your number one priority in life. And then like the Bible says, from that Everything else in life starts lining up. Doesn't mean life goes exactly how you want it to. But man, it makes a whole lot more sense, both the things you've experienced in the past and the things that come up in your future. Philippians 3, 7, and 8 says this, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. If you can, underline for me that phrase, surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. There's nothing better than knowing Jesus. It is a surpassing greatness. It will forever, it is and forever will be the number one greatest thing that you can experience. Nothing will ever jump its place. Jesus is supremely satisfying, so I, I'm really pleading with you, don't settle for anything less. Jesus is supremely satisfying. So don't get swayed by distractions or things that are entertaining when Jesus is offering you the best life possible, and it's right in front of you. Compared to knowing Jesus, according to the Bible, everything else is rubbish, you can accomplish all sorts of things in life and have great experiences. But if you don't know God, you have wasted your life. So don't miss out on the best part of life. Now, I'm not talking about rules or religion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about knowing the one God who gave you life in the first place. That's what I'm talking about. 1 Timothy 6.21 says, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. I'm not talking about adopting the label of Christian for your life. All right. I'm not talking about adding a going to church into your weekly schedule or going to challenge. That's not the point. 
That's not the point of what I'm talking about. The point of what I'm talking about is really knowing God on a daily, moment-by-moment basis because that will radically change your life. So do you know God? I really want to ask you this question. I'd even challenge you to write this on your handout. It's not written down for you. Write it. Do I know God? Because I believe that is the most important question you will be asked in your entire life. From the day you were born until the day you die. I think the most important question that anyone can ask you and what you can ask yourself is, do I? Not did my parents know God? Not does my grandma know God? Not does my cousin know God? Is do I personally know God on a real daily level? And the reason it is so important, there's a reason. It's because you can. That's why. It wouldn't be the most important important question if you couldn't. But you can know God. Revelation 3.20, this is God speaking, says this, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. At this moment, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to be closer to you than he is right now, no matter where you're at. And in the context that this verse is written, it's actually speaking to both Christians and non-Christians. So if you are currently already a follower of Christ, if you do know God, this verse is still applying to you. Don't miss out. Don't waste another day of your life missing the greatest part of life. And if you would like to express your desire to know God through Jesus, you can and you can right now. Like this is an opportunity that you have right in this moment that you can make that decision. Just like I said, that idea of walking into a tunnel and you turn around and you start walking the other way. That is what it's like when you start following Christ. And there's a, I have a simple prayer um, that you can pray along with me if you'd like to. I'm gonna say it out loud. You can just say it uh, if you want to right now uh, in your heart because it's between you and God anyways. Uh, and if you'd like to make that decision right now, to know God personally, I would invite you to go ahead and do that with me now. Lord Jesus, I want to know you in a real way. I am sorry for how I've sinned against you in so many ways. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and rising from the dead. I accept your forgiveness and invitation to know you personally. Please take over and guide my life from now on. What an incredible thing it is. What an incredible opportunity that we have that we can know God personally. It's amazing. It's, it's radically changed my life. And I can promise you that it can and will radically change your life. I believe that many of you in this room with your with us tonight, prayed this prayer because you felt God tugging at your heart because he was knocking on your door and telling you, I want to know you personally. And that's awesome. That's an incredible thing. I'm actually gonna end this evening uh, just praying for you, whether it was your first time ever really getting to know God or maybe this is, uh, you know, you've known God in the past and you've kind of made other things a priority over him. And now you're saying tonight, you want to take a stand and say, I'm going to make God a priority in my life again. 
Uh, I'm going to end tonight uh, by praying for you. Dear Lord, I thank you so, so much for wanting to know us, God. I thank you so much for the sacrifice of sending your son to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to spend eternity away from you. I thank you for all the people here in this room who felt you tugging at their hearts that know that you want to know them personally. I pray for all of us that we would all seriously consider what our next step is in getting to know you better. And I pray for, for bravery, that you would help us to be truly brave people and to take that next step with you, whatever it may be. I praise things in Christ's name. Amen.